This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> it's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with assist. From FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC Pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. It is a Friday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Johnson-Stremski. We are here. On the Ringer Podcast Network, lot to dive into, lot to discuss, whole lot of good feels, whole lot of good vibes. We'll get to that momentarily. I have to admit, this might be an unpopular opinion because I think there are a whole lot of people that say, JJ, schedule release, who gives a rat's ass? I love it. I get geeked out by this stuff. I love trying to plot where my team is going to have a soft part of their schedule, where they're going to have a difficult part of their schedule, you know, play a little win-loss game, even though you know the opponents and you know, all right, this is who they're playing. It's a question of when they're playing these games. But I'm like sitting there on Twitter all day. I'm refreshing. I'm waiting for schedule releases, leaks. Who are the Jets opening with? Who are the Giants opening with? Uh, are the Jets going to get a primetime game in week one? Basically, the only primetime game the Jets got is, is the Amazon special where, you know, I saw this tweet from Jimmy Trainer earlier today. Al Michaels having to do the Jags and the Jets three days before Christmas. 
That, that is a little insulting to the career of Val Michaels if we're being dead serious. But look, Jets' schedule, they cannot get buried in the first six games of this year. Hosting the Ravens at the Browns, hosting the Bengals at Steelers, home Dolphins at Green Bay, at Denver. You can't be like one in six in those first seven games and then try to entertain me that the Jets are going to have a season. That's why I look at those first five games. Can the Jets somehow, some way, get anywhere from two to three of those wins? Browns may not have Deshaun Watson. Bengals, hey, the Jets beat the Bengals at home last year. That was the Mike White experience. Pittsburgh, who the hell knows what their quarterback situation is going to be. My team, the Dolphins, they haven't had a lot of success against my team, but maybe if you're a believer in do, they finally break through against Tua and that Dolphin defense. But that Packer-Bronco-Patriot-Bill stretch, yikes. See, the Patriots don't scare me that much, but those three other teams, that is that is brutal. Look, the Jets have a tough schedule. Don't get buried right out of the gate. That's my grand takeaway. As far as the games I'm looking forward to the most, I'm going to give you my three from a Jet standpoint, then I'll give you the Giants. The three Jet games I'm looking forward to the most. Hmm. Number one has to be, has to be the first home game against the Patriots. Because I think in order for the Jets to get anywhere as a franchise, they got it. They got to beat a team that has just flat out owned them. They've owned them repeatedly time and time and time again. They need to beat the Patriots. They have not beaten the Patriots since Ryan Fitzpatrick and Eric Decker walked it off in 2015. Number one, Patriots. Number two, it's obvious because the Jets don't get many opportunities to play in this historic venue. Lambeau Field. And it will probably be. I can't say this with certainty, but I can take a gander. I think it will be the last time the Jets go up against Aaron Rodgers. So to have a mid-October game against the Green Bay Packers, I will put that number two on my list. And then number three on my list, hmm, not giving you Buffalo, because listen, Buffalo is a team to beat in the NFL. That's not exactly a game I'm looking forward to. That's more about survival and don't get embarrassed and don't get whooped in the process. The third game I'd probably give you is the Bengal game, because I think it will be a big test early to see, all right, this is a team you beat last year. A lot of people, myself included, thought it was a very fluky win. What do you have in store for an encore? Remember, it's going to be Zach Wilson, at quarterback. It's not going to be Mike White. So those are a couple early takeaways for the Jets schedule. I will say, soft part of the schedule, Lions at the end of the year, Jaguars at the end of the year, Seattle at the end of the year, Bears late on the schedule, who I think are going to be flat-out garbage. So maybe that's where the Jets can get some wins but don't bury yourself in the early stages of the year. From a Giants standpoint, look, the Giants coming off a 4-13 and year. The Giants are probably the team that other bad teams are looking at on their schedule saying, hey, this is a good landing spot for us. This is a place where we could get home and this is a place where we could get cooking. So they're going to get the Titans week one. That's going to be a tough game to win. Even without A.J. Brown, even with Tannehill coming off that playoff game, that is a good get-right spot for the Titans. But Immediately, Carolina at home, very winnable game. Then you get a Monday night game early with the Cowboys. I love that they're not giving the Giants a ton of primetime games this year. They don't deserve it. They got to earn it. Cowboys-Giants week three early in the year when there's a little sizzle there. I like that. 
Bears at home. All things considered, the Giants could get off to a 2-2 two and two start. They could. Then you have Packers, Ravens, tough. Jaguars, Seahawks, Texans, Lions. That's, guys, that's an easier stretch to schedule than you would think. See, I don't think the Giants will be in a position where they're one of the two or three worst teams in the league. Look at that schedule. To go from Jacksonville, Seattle, the Texans, and the Lions. And then you throw in the fact that you got two games with the Commanders. All right, the Eagles are probably a better team, but it's a division game. Maybe you split those two. Giants' schedule's not that difficult. Like, I go through the Jets' schedule, and it's probably the nature of the AFC, and I'm like, wow, that's really tough. That's really tough. I don't think the Giants have positioned themselves to try and win games this year. Could they be more competitive with that schedule? The answer to that question is yes. That is an emphatic yes as far as I'm concerned. So, highlights on the Giants schedule. Hmm. Game I'm looking forward to the most, hands down, is that Monday night against the Cowboys. It's an early primetime game. It's a nice early litmus test to see where Dable has this team three games into the season. So, I'm going to give you Cowboys-Giants right out of the gate. That's number one. I'm not giving you the game in London because I think for a whole lot of people are going to be annoyed about the fact that you have to play a game in London at 9.30 in the morning. I like it. Other people are going to tell you they can't stand it. Second game I'm going to give you. The Baltimore game. The Baltimore game because you got the former defensive coordinator of the Ravens now coaching up the Giants. Let's see if the Giants have made significant progress against the team that I think is going to be pretty darn good in Baltimore. That's number two. And then number three, I'm giving you another Cowboy game because it's on Turkey Day. Anytime you play on Turkey Day, it's flat out special. I'm jealous. I'm envious of the Giant fan in that regard because I wish my team played on Turkey Day. I thought maybe I was going to get Dolphins-Lions and that would make or break Thanksgiving. I'll have my football team playing on Christmas. We'll see how that goes. Aaron Rodgers coming to town. Not exactly ideal, but those would be my three. I'm going to give you two Cowboy games and I'm going to throw in a Raven game as far as the games, quote-unquote, that I'm looking forward to the most. All right, so those are a couple of thoughts on the NFL schedule. We'll have Phil Sims coming up in a little bit, which I'm very much looking forward to. So Brady, we're going to run the gauntlet with Phil. I've been meaning to have him on the pod for a while, so we're going to have a ton of fun. Now, there's a lot to be excited about around here. And New York sports has been down in the dumps. There hasn't been much to cheer about. The baseball teams are on fire. And the New York Rangers, who were dead to rights, down two to nothing in game five against the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're alive. They're alive for a couple of different reasons. Number one, Sidney Crosby is out. Possibly. And the fact that Sidney Crosby left game five opened the door for the Rangers to get back in. Second of all, the Rangers had far more spunk and played with so much more passion than they did in game three and what they did in game four. So they're alive now. You got a game six. And here's the question. It's a simple one. Can you get the same intensity you got in the second period and the third period on Wednesday? Number two, is Shesterkin going to answer the ghosts and the crowd and the and the catcalls and all the nonsense they've been throwing his way in Pittsburgh? Igor has been spoke. Game three and game four, he's been flat out spoke. Got to play well in game six. So that's going to be the telltale sign for the Rangers. Are we talking about a game seven? Sunday, maybe a little live reaction, the whole kit and caboodle, potentially. Or are we talking about this Rangers season coming to an end? I think a big key to that is the status of Sidney Crosby, which 
in hockey terms, you're not going to find out. Good luck trying to get that information between now and when that puck drops at around 7 o'clock at night. But hey, Rangers got a game six to look forward to. Shift by shift, take it period by period, and see if you live to die another day and force this bad boy back to the garden for Sunday night, what would be a rocking, rocking scene. Then, all the baseball. The New York Yankees are playing out of their freaking minds. We did a live after the Aaron Judge walk-off on Tuesday to go and win on Wednesday. Showed me something. Making a statement the way they did against the Blue Jays. Showed me something. I'll tell you what else showed me something. This White Sox game today, I had no expectation they were going to win. Dylan Cease has been great. The Yankees call up Luis Hill. Their bullpen is pretty taxed, all things considered. And yet, the Yankee lineup, even though they struck out a ton of times, relentless in making Cease pay. Judge hits a bomb. Stanton hits two bombs. Yankee record, when those two guys homer, it's pretty damn good. And I think the second home run that Judge hit still has it. No, the first home run Judge hit still hasn't landed. And the two balls Stanton hit were absolute piss missiles. You know what else I liked about this game? The Yankees have the 7-4 lead. Luizaga gives it up. Gives up the home run to Moncada. And this Yankee team gets right off the mat and scores seven runs in the top half of the eighth inning. That is big boy type of baseball. That's the difference between last year's team and this year's team. There's a lot more fight. And the base running is so much better. The defense is so much better. When a team makes a mistake, the Yankees take advantage of it. They weren't doing that last year. I mean, I don't know what LaRusso was doing on that judge play. He got a challenge that, for goodness sakes. He was out. Then he's leaving Joe Kelly out to dry, and he's bringing a lefty to face Donaldson. Thank you. Thank you. But between what I'm seeing with Glaber, between what I'm seeing with the starting rotation, Judge and Stanton are picking up right where they left off last year. The Yankees look like and feel like a much more complete team. And that is a great, great sign if you're dreaming about them winning a division, winning a pennant, and dare I say winning a championship. So good vibes, good feels all around with the Yankees. For the Mets, ho-hum, another series win. Doing exactly what they're supposed to do against the Nationals. Taiwan Walker is terrific. The Nationals don't know how to run the bases. I mean, that was some of the worst base running I've ever seen in my life and one of the weirdest double plays I've ever seen in my, my life. But all things considered, offense does enough. Cannon comes through. Bullpen comes through. Interesting series now with the Mariners this weekend because it's the homecoming for Jared Kellenic. And Jared Kellenic was the top Met prospect. The Mets made that ill-advised trade with Seattle, Cano and Diaz. Cano is gone. Diaz has been much better. Kellenic has not flourished into the star that I think most envisioned he would be. Still very, very young. Still has time. But that's something that's been noticeable to me. Kellenic has not been the guy I thought he was going to be. And listen, if you're a Mets fan, at least Diaz is pitching a heck of a lot better. It's not a good trade because of what you could have potentially gotten for Kellenic. Or maybe he helps you. Whatever the case may be. Don't defend a trade. It was still a dumb trade. It was still a bad trade. But makes it a little easier to digest. Diaz doing his job and counting it hitting like 160. All right. A couple of voicemails before we hit Phil Sims. Let's hear him. Jade, John from Long Island. I heard you needed somebody to spice up your calls a little bit. So don't worry. I'm here. Anyway, about the NFL schedule, I know you asked which game I'm most ex- we're most excited for, but... Lord help me, I'm looking over this New York football Jets schedule, 
am I crazy to think we could go nine and eight? I mean, look, we have a tough stretch before the bye. We have the Packers then. We have your Dolphins then. He knows how good you're going to be. We have the Ravens, the Bengals, the Steelers. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But the second half of the schedule, the second half of the schedule, I see the Bears, who are terrible, the Lions, who are terrible, the Jaguars, who are terrible, and the Seahawks, who are terrible. And the Patriots have made no substantial improvements this season. And, come on, we can split against the Dolphins. We can at least split. Oh, man, JJ, it's exactly that time of year where I get optimistic. I know our defense is going to suck, but if Zach Wilson's good, anything's possible, right? A guy can dare to dream. This is probably the best I'm going to feel about the 2022 Jets season all year. But let me have this, JJ. Don't rip me apart. Let me have this. Also, how about that triple out of Anthony Rizzo tonight? Love to see it. Love to see it. Not the least bit surprised with Rizzo hitting it. Uh, what is it, Comerica or whatever, the guaranteed race field? I mean, that's what he did his entire Cub career. So uh, I might have threw a couple shekels down on Anthony Rizzo to have his over total bases. So you have to stay tuned for what our same game parlay is going to be over the course of this weekend. We got some fun stuff in store. As far as your jet optimism, look, I'm not going to rain on your parade in mid-May. Get off to a fast start. Don't lose to the Ravens and then lose to the Browns and then be staring that Bengal game 0-2 in the face. And yeah, you're like, oh, jeez, it's 0-3. It's 1-5. It's 2-7. and Yes, the schedule for the Jets eases up and is a heck of a lot softer in the second half of this year. It really, really is. But can't bury yourself those first couple of games. That's why that Bengal game is very, very intriguing to me. Very, very intriguing. And Columbus Day weekend, MetLife Stadium, I already threw it out there on SOY. Jets play at 1 o'clock. Giants play at London. If I can do the betting show from MetLife Stadium, I'm there. I'll meet you guys in the parking lot maybe for a cold one after the game or before the game. You'll find me a good tailgate. We'll have a little New York, New York gathering. I would love that. I would love that. I really want to be out there on October the 9th. And hopefully both baseball teams, very alive and well, maybe even resting on October the 9th as everybody's duking it out in their best of three. Okay. One more and then we'll have Phil Simms. Hey, JJ, Levi from West Orange here. Listen, there's only one game. Uh, that could possibly matter here, and that's just Patriots. Um, you hope that's a Sunday night football game. I agree with you because of the stranglehold that the Patriots have had on the New York Jets and the fact that they have basically made that their homecoming game. You know, Benigo reminds me of that all the freaking time, that anytime they want to do a retirement ceremony and anytime they want to have some fun, it's, yeah, it's the homecoming game when you take it on the Jets. That's got to end. So. You don't go to Gillette first. You get them at home. Day before Halloween. Spank them. That's something I need to see from the Jets. You got to beat the Patriots eventually. This is not a vintage Patriot team. That's the other thing. The team to beat in the division is Buffalo by a mile. I mean, Buffalo, you're seeing it with the schedule. They're opening up the season. They're playing on Thanksgiving. They're playing a bunch of these primetime games. They are getting the love that, you know, a Super Bowl favorite should get. But I think the most intriguing game that I see on the Jets' schedule is at home, October the 30th, against the Patriots. Let's see where they stand. Let's see where they stand. Phil Sims, 
He's a New York legend. Super Bowl MVP. He's royalty in this town. He's been working at CBS for way too long. I mean, basically since the NFL got the rights back on CBS, which I believe was the 98 season. He and Greg Gumbel, first game with doing the Jets and the 49ers. And Glenn Foley was a quarterback. And if I'm not mistaken, Garrison Hurst broke one off for like a 98-yard run to end the game. Walked it off. Sims, been at CBS ever since. Doing games, now he's in the studio. He joins us next. Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now, your bits. Feet, toes, come on. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... (sighs) Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. Fired up to welcome in a New York, New York legend. He's a Super Bowl MVP, former quarterback of the Giants, household name on the NFL today, did games forever, now he's in the studio rocking and rolling inside the NFL. I think that's a fair introduction, right, Phil Sims? How you doing, man? I, I'm doing well, JJ. Yeah, that's that's a good introduction. You know, the legend part, I sure as the hell don't agree with that. But, you know, I did have 15 years with the Giants, and we were fortunate enough to win a couple Super Bowls. So that keeps me, um, what's the word, somewhat happy. So I, I'll have to take that because I have no choice now. Well, I think the Giant fan would definitely say legend fits the description. You may not, but the Giant fan would beg to differ. Want to start here, well, Phil? I want to start here. You were with Brady forever. You spent ten zillion hours with Brady in production meetings when you were doing number one CBS games for years. Did you yes. ever see Tom Brady and broadcaster in the same sentence? Were you surprised today to hear that news? Oh man, I, I was really surprised. I, I was, and I just figured, you know, Tom Brady is such a universal star. I just figured, why jump into that world and? Um, not subject yourself to certain things, but just the games, all the work, the travel. But of course, he's going to travel a little differently than I did when I was doing games. But you know what, too, JJ? Let's, the profile, what it gives you now, and the money involved, I, of course, that all has something to do with it to, to keep what he's got going, his uh, whatever you want to say, his legacy and everything he's done as a player and all the stuff he does on social media now. So it kind of makes sense. But when I read it today, I was I was surprised. Tell you this, though, Phil. $37 million a year makes it an easy decision. <laughs> oh, man, I tell you. Boomer Esiason has a good line. He's always talking about the money. And I said, you know, Boomer, I don't care what they make. Then about two or three years ago, he said something. I said, you know what? I got to admit, now I'm like, wow, this money is truly unbelievable. What? You know, everybody's making, and it's just, it's its crazy, not crazy. It's the NFL is doing so well that the quarterbacks and all the players are really uh, getting rewarded with salaries in, the, in this league now, no doubt. Well, think about it, Phil. The schedule release, for goodness sakes, is like oh. must-see TV. Like, uh, maybe this is me because I like to plot when I'm going to go down to South Florida in December or January. I hope it ties <laughs> yeah. in to when the Jets are taking on the Miami Dolphins, but like, going back to your days as a player and then when you were calling games for CBS, is this something, like, you would look forward to? I mean, uh, now it's an event. They put it on primetime television. 
Or were you kind of one of those guys where it's like, all right, here's the schedule. This is when I'm working. This is when I'm playing. And away we go. Oh, listen, when I was doing TV, uh, yes, I would definitely look at the schedule when it came out to see what good games we had that we were going to have. Whatever this, like, let's say the Steelers and the Patriots were the big marquee uh, teams or the Colts with Peyton Manning. I would look to see if they played and when they played, were we going to get the game or was it going to Sunday night or Monday night or whatever? So, yeah, that was always, uh, look, I was, that was the first thing I did when the schedule came out to see if we got some of the big games, just like I will now. You know, the fact that I'm in the studio, are we going to get the key Kansas City games? Are we going to get, you know, all these other teams, the Buffalo Bills, when they have these great matchups? And, God, J.J., there are so many good matchups in the NFL right now. And there are so many, uh, it's the truth, there's so many stars in the league that it is must-watch TV. And, look, I never sit at home with a game on TV and not watch it. And I mean, never. Uh, I So I love being a fan, watching it. And of course, I love covering it too. Phil, the New York Jets improved a ton this offseason. But something you just said hit home. They're much better. I love their draft. I want to see how Zach Wilson grows from year one to year two. But my goodness, it just seems like they're in the wrong division and they're in the wrong conference. Because you look up and down that AFC from Buffalo to Kansas City, to Burrow in Cincinnati, to the Chargers, to the Broncos with Russell Wilson. Miami's better. Baltimore's always a factor. Where can the Jets take that next step and kind of evolve? Because this is a hungry fan base. They haven't been in the playoffs now in over a decade, and they're better. But how much improvement can you honestly show in this AFC? Well, listen, the AFC right now, Think back to the 1980s, and I hate to say it, but we were playing. It was the 49ers, us, you know, the Washington now, the Washington Commanders. There was just a group of teams. The NFC had five or six of the best teams, and then we looked at the AFC. And that went on for a lot of years, and it's definitely turned around now. The AFC is, without question, a better conference. So when you look at the Jets, hey, they had a monstrous draft. And I know everybody, oh, let's grade it, let's talk about it. But I really look at, when I looked at it, Ahmad Gardner, I, he, I just can't see him failing, not being a good player. Garrett Wilson, I can't see him not being a good player, too, because he's going to fit the offense and, of course, his talent. And then Jermaine Johnson. And like many people, I watch enough of these guys in college to kind of see what I think. And I thought Jermaine Johnson, for real, because, you know, pass rushers are, everybody wants them. I thought he would be a top 10 pick. So the Jets moving back into the draft and getting, getting him when they did, that changes their football team. But I think they're going to be much better. Uh, will they have a winning record? Hey, if they have a winning record, that would be a great year. But injuries, getting these new players, second year for the coaching staff, the coordinator getting more in tune with Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson improving. Uh, listen, the team should be much better. And I think if I was to say here, like you, a Jet fan, seven wins to ten wins, man, you, I think you'd have to be ecstatic with that. Okay, Phil, you know the quarterback position well. What do you need to see from Wilson? You watched his game tape. You saw him on film for year one. What's the biggest thing he needs to improve upon going into his second year? 
Well, he's got experience. I think uh, his confidence had to grow with the way he played the last six weeks of the season when he came back from the injury. You know, of course, JJ. I don't. I, I almost hate it when people say it, but I watch every play, and I watched every throw of his pretty close. I thought he did improve. The one thing is he, hey, he makes spectacular plays with his legs and his arm. His arm is elite. He's borderline elite athletically too. And but the big thing when I watch him play, he does miss what I would call layups. And you know you can't miss layups in the NFL. And I think he will improve that, improve there. You know it's it's a little bit of technique, and the fact that he's just so gifted. He tries to make throws without really doing the fundamental stuff because he's a little bit like um, everybody calm down as I say this, but he's got a little Patrick Mahomes in him. He doesn't care how his feet are or where he is or whatever. He just decides to make a throw a certain way. Sometimes it works out, but sometimes it really backfires on him, I thought, more than it should last year. He just corrects that. It's going to be a big difference in the game. And the fact he's got experience is also a big deal, too. The Giant organization means a lot to you. You were a part of it in its heyday. The last couple of years, Phil, I mean, the Giant way has been lost at sea. It got so bad. It got so rotten last year. That last game when they're basically running quarterback keepers on the one-yard line in a meaningless regular season finale, it was like the telltale sign, hey, we got to blow this up every which way. And look, it's early. They're going to get a free year or two. But everything I've seen and everything I've heard from, from Joe Shane and Brian Dable, would have me fired up beyond belief as a Giant fan. So far, what do you think of a new regime with Big Blue? I think they made the right moves. It's hard to really question anything they've done so far. Uh, you know, I look at what, so that's great from the, that perspective. Now, Brian Dable is, I just can't wait to see the offense, what he does with Daniel Jones how he's going to change the whole football team and their perspective or whatever, or how they call plays, design of plays, and everything. I think he'll be aggressive. And then you put Don Martindale or Wink Martindale, whatever you want to call him, as a defensive coordinator, it's going to change the Giants' personality again because he's a very aggressive coach, likes to do a lot of things, likes to put pressure on the offense, which I, I love that about him. And the Giants, I thought they did an awesome job during the draft. Uh, the offensive line, if it's not remarkably better this year, then I don't know what to say because that's all I hear. Hey, what if, you know, the Giants and everywhere I go, this Giants offensive line, I haven't heard that since the draft and since they've gone out and done such, I think, a pretty good job during the offseason. Getting Evan Neal from Alabama, I didn't like him. I, like, I loved him. I was hoping the Giants, somehow he would fall to them or be there, and they took him. And, of course, Andrew Thomas came through big time last year. So the Giants... Wide receivers, that needs to pick up. But Thibodeau um, being dra drafted him, too, with the fifth pick, that was awesome. So I don't know what to say. I think they're going to be much better. It's going to be a much better watch, more fun, things like that. And, of course, the big one, J.J., we all know. Can Daniel Jones now, with a better line, better talent around him, a, a different coach that's going to highlight and try to really drive the quarterback forward, can he take advantage of this opportunity is going to be a big question. No doubt. Put up a shut up year for Daniel Jones. Generally speaking, Phil, like if you were in a position of evaluating quarterbacks, you know, you go back, it used to be four years. It used to be five years. You're not getting that anymore. Fair or unfair, these teams, they got to act. They got to know. They got to have a sense. They got to have a feel. 
But realistically speaking, what is like a fair barometer in knowing whether or not you have the guy quarterback? Is it three years, you think? Three's tough. I, I look at the third year as the year it really kind of comes together for you. I think the Giants did make the right move in giving Daniel Jones his fourth year to see if he is truly the franchise guy. But you're right. We, you know, as I even listen to people on TV and the radio, you know, oh, Zach Wilson, I don't know. I, you know, it's just the attitude in which they say things. I just go, wow, he was a rookie, not on a good football team, a new coaching staff. He got hurt, but I don't know about you. I'm just saying me. When I watched him and I saw certain plays, I go, man, this is big time talent. That's what I see. Now the question is, can they just do the right, th- or can they mold it into the offense that fits him? And, um, yeah, the judgment is way too quick on quarterbacks. And Jalen Hurts, again, oh, this is his prove-it year. Well, he took him to the playoffs last year. He's tough. He's a really good leader. He can run. He's big. Is he an elite thrower? No. But, you know, elite th- sometimes guys that are not elite throwers, Still get in the playoffs, winning the playoffs, and can win Super Bowls too. So, yeah, it, it's it's a new age. Coach and quarterback, we give them two years, and after that, let's get rid of them, fire them, draft another guy. And uh, that's the way it is. That's that's our whole society. That's definitely the National Football League, and this is especially true for quarterbacks. You know, I'm glad you brought up Hurts because you get to a point with these quarterbacks, Phil, where, yeah, fair or unfair, they're put in these, like, prove-it positions. I think you saw two teams, though, realize, hey, we want to fairly grade what we have at that position. Let's load up Philadelphia and get an A.J. Brown. And then my team, the Dolphins, Phil, the AFC's loaded. They get the fastest receiver in the NFL in Tyree Kill. You put him with Jalen Waddle. You got a tight end who could catch it and get sicky. You got this mad scientist in Mike McDaniel now. And you signed the top offensive lineman in Armstead. Like, I look at Hurts and I look at two and I say, okay, now the Dolphins and the Eagles really are going to get a sense this year what they're working with at quarterback because they've loaded up the roster so much. Uh, listen, it, it, everybody has said that, and I and you're saying it now, and I do agree. When I look at the Miami Dolphins, you know, I, I think Tua did a really good job last year after he got back into the lineup of managing the game. He's a, of course, we know all these things. He's very accurate. He's pretty quick in the pocket. Is he small? Yeah, he is. He gets engulfed, I think, sometimes by the size and the power of the NFL. Is he really athletic? No, but he can move around enough. Is he going to outrun anybody? Are they going to design runs for him? No. His arm, I'm, I'm just being kind. I say it's NFL average. I read something today where somebody, oh, did you see him in Alabama? He threw it deep down the field. Yeah, he did. Look who he was throwing to. Look how much time he had. And, yeah, you gear up and lob it down there, and they were doing it. But Bill designed an offense. Everything they've done is to try to help the football team, but also it's all going to help him. Cedric Wilson at wide receiver, you don't even think about him. He's really good. The running backs, Edmund, Mostert, I like them both. Mike McDaniel, what is he going to do? Run San Francisco's run offense. So they line up the running backs one, two, and three because they're going to run them, and you better run hard or you're going to be out. But the offensive line, it's awesome. And on defense, you know, people don't – the linebackers, Van Ginkle, um, I'm trying to get – Roberts, Elandon Roberts, Jalen Phillips, a first-round pick last year. The secondary is awesome. And their scheme on defense is awesome too. So 
I think what Miami has done is not, it's been absolutely terrific during the offseason. And they put their team in a position to be able to battle, I think, Buffalo and whoever else you want to put in that New England. I think they're definitely close to, about as close as you can get through an offseason what they did. Okay. I think they're super improved. Who's the most improved team from last year to this year based upon the offseason? Well, I, I think the Miami Dolphins just made so many unbelievable moves. You know, they went out and got Teron Armstead. That's one. So now you got one of the best tackles in 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 football. And then they got a right tackle who they drafted high last year and Liam Eichenberg. So he's gonna be a really the wide receivers. So if I had to pick one team I say who made the most improvements during the offseason, right now it'd probably be the Miami Dolphins and also and of course Russell Wilson going to Denver is a big deal. But the Chargers made a few good moves during the offseason, too. And it's going to be interesting to see how they come about. Because their quarterback, Justin Herbert, he really almost elite mobility. To say he has an elite arm is an understatement. He's one of the few quarterbacks that I see that we can pinpoint in the NFL. He can throw the football, J.J., as hard as he can throw it and never lose control of it. You know, and there's not many that can do that. And maybe Mahomes, I don't even know if Mahomes can do it to that degree. You know, Aaron Rodgers, you talk about a few of them, but uh, his throwing ability, and we saw it in that Raider game, it was on a Monday night to get to the playoffs. That was truly, the numbers, oh, he was inaccurate. Who knows what the numbers were? But he threw so many contested footballs with such power that I was watching the game just laughing. This guy's like a pitcher he like gets the fun part of it is seeing if I can throw it over 100 miles an hour and still be you know good at what he does. So the Chargers made some improvements. They're going to be an interesting, interesting team to watch too. Okay, Phil, final one. The quarterback position's loaded in the AFC. It's going to be a ton of fun for you to break down each and every Sunday on CBS. I'm going to let you be GM. We're going to take Mahomes out of this for a minute because he's been there, he's done that, he's basically in the AFC Championship game every single year. Phil Simms is starting a franchise. Josh Allen, <laughs> Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. You can only have one. Who are you starting your franchise with? Man, that's really not fair. But I mean, all uh, the above is a good answer. You know, that's a good well, answer. Yeah, I, can't, I can't go wrong. I can't go wrong. Listen, the talent, well, I would take Josh Allen. Just the way, now, the way they designed the offense and how they ran it in Buffalo was absolutely perfect for him, you know, just everything about it. And, you know, they get him involved in the game really early, which they all do, but I thought Buffalo and Brian Dayball did an unbelievable job. And They even got better as the year went along. But the other two, you know, I'm just being honest here, yeah, Joe Burrow is really, really good, but I'm just going to base it on uh, some other things, and I probably would take Justin Herbert second just because of the size and the unbelievable ability to throw the football. And Joe Burrow has great talent, threw the ball better last year, I thought much better than he did his rookie year. And he does have that, and I you know, I don't even like it sometimes when I say it, he does have a special factor. He's just got an ability to really feel the game and do the right thing and to move when he needs to. And, you know, he has special leadership skills too. So... That's a hard pick, but I, I put them in the order, just being honest, How, but probably if you said, here, you got to take them one, two, and three, that's where I put them. It'd be very close, but I just feel good about uh, when I put them in that order. So what's the summer plans for Phil Sims? You know, you don't have football watch now for a couple of months. Is it 
beach time, wife, grandkids Ow. time. You getting to any other sports, Phil? What's the summer looking like? Well, let's see. Have you ever seen me in person? Do I look like I'm a guy that goes to the beach? I could see you as a beach guy with the big sun hat on <laughs> yeah, and maybe the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. I could see you pulling that off. Yeah, now listen. The one thing I can't don't agree with, I didn't have fun with Reggie White. I don't have fun with the sun either. That's for sure. <laughs> but so, no, you know what I do? I throw with a lot of quarterbacks with my son during the offseason. It's almost not every day, but it's three or four days a week. And uh, I do that. And then July, I really start kind of working on the NFL because 32 teams, so much movement, the draft picks to catch up and just to dig in there and do that. It, it takes me about six weeks to really like, okay, I'm ready for the season. You know, I follow the draft, but I probably only go 100 players deep. I'm not going to watch every single one, but I will before the season starts as I look and, you know, kind of study each team. So that's it. And, of course, you said the magic word, grandchildren. That's almost every day, but it's surely every weekend that we get together, have a little fun, and I love, you know, playing sports with all my grandchildren too, that's for sure. Maybe some future quarterbacks or uh, starting pitchers. You never know, Phil. They had a dream. Well, yeah, you never know. That's right. But uh, I, I tell my wife this. I said, our job is to help raise our grandchildren, and I want them to be educated, and the rest, it's all good. We'll go from there. But I like the sound of that. So, I like the sound of yep. that. Listen, thanks for a couple of minutes. You are a rock star. Looking forward to seeing you back on TV in September, and it'll be another year. I know I got to wait a couple more months to see my team in action, Phil, but you know, at least I got a first-place baseball team in town I'm excited about. That helps. Well, but, oh, man, listen, baseball is going great for the New York uh, fans, that's for sure. I don't and, know you if know, I can handle years. a Subway Series, though, Phil. The Mets fan in my oh. life will destroy me. I, I would never hear the end of it if my Yankees lost to the Mets in a World Series. Never. <laughs> I hope there's a Subway Series in the worst way. That would be great. I like both, you know, managers of the team. I'm so glad Buck Walters back in baseball. That's going great for the Mets. And for you, the Jet fan, the Jets, you know, I've never seen a team get so many key injuries, it seems like, and the schedule's worked against them. Maybe this is the year they stay healthy, second year of the coaching staff, second year for the quarterback and all that. Maybe this will be the year where they really give Jet fans some hope and keep that stadium alive besides the first couple games of the year. Well, I know a lot of Jet fans listening hope that's the case. I just hope for my Dolphins, Phil. They end up taking them down twice. So no, no, oh, no disrespect to my Jeff fans. Yeah, you knew. Well, I'm, you a just... nu- I'm a nuts so dolphin fan. That's why I, oh. I have the, the Marino Shrine is to my left. If you were you saw my video background, you'd be disturbed. To be honest with you. Oh, uh, it's funny, but you know what? Hey, listen. I think the the Miami Dolphins. It's hard to ignore the roster they have on both sides of the football, offense, defense. That it really is. It's they did such a great job of taking advantage of everything, and you know we always can do it to it. You know, can he do it? Look, we know what he is. There's not going to be a dramatic difference. He's not going to get bigger, faster. His arm maybe it'll get a little stronger, but it's not going to be one we go. Wow, he's right up there with these other guys. But you know, I think it's the year for Tua to really to be a. You know, I hate to always say this. But to be a leader, in other words, he's got a really good personality. His teammates really like him. He put up some a lot of good film last year at the end of the year. So they got to have faith in him. And now he's got to take advantage of that J.J. and try to rub off on some of his teammates to keep the energy, the level of play, all those things. I always think that's really important for quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think Tua can do that to really reshape their team and change it. 
Thanks for a couple of minutes. Enjoy the summer. All right. We'll chat soon, all right? All right, JJ. Thank you so much for having me on. That was a ton of fun. Phil Sims on his game for sure. And listen, you think about the analysts from 10 to 15 years ago as the number ones. Listen, they were well compensated. Don't let them tell you otherwise, but the money that's getting thrown around now for these guys, Brady, $35, $37 million a year. Insanity. Absolute insanity. All right, Larry, you're back with a vengeance. I need to respond. I need to get to you. What do we have, my friend? JJ, Larry in Florida, two baseball a night. What active pitcher has thrown the most career innings? The second one is three Cy Young Award winners were drafted in the top 15 in the 2006 draft. Who were they? I'm out. All right, a couple of doozies from Larry. Um, The active pitcher with the most career innings. It's got to be Justin Verlander, right? Wrong. It is not Verlander. I was very, very confident. Very, very confident. I thought for sure that was Verlander. Okay. Active pitcher, most career innings. Jeez. So that means it's somebody who has been, oh, I think I might know. Is it Adam Wainwright? Wrong again. Wrong again. That's all right. I mean, geez, I'm all for two here. I went with two guys that have been pitching forever. You know, that's the thing. You've got to think about guys who have been pitching forever in order to fit this description. My goodness. All right, I'm asking for a hint here because I have no idea where I'm going. I had two guys that I felt very confident about, and now I have no clue. All right, AL guy. AL guy, ton of innings. You got to think about guys who have been around forever. Does Seattle have a guy that's been around forever? No. Does Texas have a guy that's been around forever? Does Oakland have a guy that's been around forever? I mean, I thought it was Verlander for sure. But clearly, that is not the case. The Wainwright was the case. No. Does Cleveland? No. Does Detroit? No. If it's got to be somebody that eats a ton of innings. It's not going to be a guy like Rich Hill. He's old, but he didn't pitch a ton. I really have no idea where I am going with this. I'm, I'm going to take one more guess, but I, 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 I guess I'm going to be annoyed. I don't even know if I'm going to be annoyed. I gave you all the Hall of Famers for goodness sakes. You want me to give you the team? Would you? Yeah, give me the team. Give me the team. Kansas City Royal. Kansas City Royal. Oh man. No, I have no idea. Zach Greinke. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm surprised by that, though. Greinke has been around forever. I did not think he'd have more innings pitched than Verlander and have more innings pitched than a guy like Wainwright, even though Wainwright's missed some time. Zach Greinke. Excellent, excellent job. All right, we got one more here. Three Cy Young Awards drafted in the top 15 of the 2006 Major League Baseball draft. All right, I'm going with Cy Young winners. We're going to be rapid fire. First, Clayton Kershaw. Yes. One down, two to go. Number two, Max Scherzer. One more. Two down, one to go. See, we're doing much better on this particular trivia question. 
three Cy Young Award winners, 2006 draft. Tim Lincecum. Wow, you come back with redemption. I love that it. That is, let me tell you something. <laughs> Clean sweep. The good vibes that I had with a lot of those names I mentioned in trivia question number one, we returned the favor and sweep the board without any assistance, without any help with trivia question number two. I'm quite proud of that. Sir. Very impressive, sir. Very quite impressive. Proud. Now, the NBA was a mixed bag for me. Had the heat earlier today. We were thrilled about that. Had Phoenix, that did not go particularly well. Jeff Money, there's a lot on the table for Friday. What do we have, my friend? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap for picks. It's going to be for tomorrow, Friday the 13th. We're going to go with the most NBA games. Uh, the first game, as far as my edge for my money play, I'm going to go with the Grizzlies, plus the eight and a half over the Warriors. Now, I don't think they're going to win the game, even though they had a nice blowout win in their last game. But I think with the plus eight and a half, I think they're going to keep it close. So we're going to go with the Grizzlies, plus the eight and a half. And game number two, after the Celtics off that tough loss at home against the Bucks, I think they're going to regain. I think it's going to go seven games. I'm going to go with the Celtics. I'm going to take the plus one and a half. So, again, I'm going to go with the Grizzlies, plus the eight and a half. I'm going to take the Celtics, plus the one and a half. Let's see if we got family plays. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Money. I'm going to spoil one of my plays. I'm going to save the other one for the Ringer Gambling Show that we will have up on Friday. I'm going to give you one, though, because I love the New York New York audience so much. I'm with you on the Celtics. I'm with you on the Celtics. You know, I thought long and hard about it. My heart says Milwaukee. My heart says Milwaukee. Everything about that betting line says Boston is the right side in that game and that Boston will respond and force a game number seven. That line seems too good to be true. I hate Ben against Giannis. I hate Rune against the Bucks. I had him in game five. Gut feel right now, I think Boston forces a game seven. I will give you the play for Memphis and Golden State tomorrow, folks, on the Ring of Gambling show. We will do that. And I'm also going to wait to have more information on Pittsburgh and the Rangers because I'm seeing the Rangers favor at minus 123, which leads me to believe Vegas... Right here, right now, I think Sidney Crosby is not playing. Because you did not get the Rangers. Actually, they were around 115, and they might have been 120 in Game 3. So maybe it's a little higher than it was. But I, I can't make a pick in that series and in that particular game until I know the deal with Sid the Kid. Like, if Sid the Kid is back, that changes things for me. That changes things for me. But I do think the Rangers, after Game 5, have some serious, serious life now going back to the Steel City. All right, we are back on Sunday. Will it be the end of the Ranger run, or are we going to have a lot more to discuss? And you want to check out FanDuel Sportsbook, because there will be a same-game parlay Saturday. Yankees, White Sox. We got, we got a couple of parlays cooking on FanDuel this weekend. House and I will be in the lab for the NBA on Friday night. Saturday, Yankees, White Sox will have something drawn up, and hopefully cash some winners. Gorks Rudy, appreciate you filling in. Great work all around. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy diving in the NFL schedule. I'm already plotting my week 18 road trip. Dolphins, Jets, let's just hope from my standpoint it means something. On that note, AJ out. Be good, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>